there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tavalon. Have a cup of tea, or maybe a frothy ale. The light, why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. By my mother's name, I will come as you say come, and go as you say go. He kissed the blade and looked up at her expectantly. On his knees, he made any king on a throne look meek. She would have to teach him some humility for his own sake, and for Pond's sake. Moraine, epilogue, new spring. Hello and welcome back. I'm here with my friend Tracy. I'm here with my dear friend Amber. And this is the Road to Tarvalin, a Wheel of Time podcast. Also known as the New Spring Fan Club. Yeah. <laughs> I love this book. Before we get there, we are going to talk a little bit about what drew us to the Wheel of Time series, what we like about it, why we think other people might like it. Yes. And it's such a massive series and there's Oof. so many twists and turns. And with the TV show hype reaching a fever pitch, we just kind of want to explore the things that we think make it stand out. Yes. But before we get started with that, there was something else we wanted to do. We have... A really big thank you for our patrons today and a shout out to them for just being awesome and supportive and thank you. So we're going to start out with our gateway makers, uh, Jedi Jaina Sedai and Jalinar Sedai of the Blue Aja. And we have our Ogier Ways Guide, Moonchild, Son of Luz. I still just love that name so much. Me too. <laughs> it's so good. Every time it's said, I'm like, oh. Uh, and then we have our Wave Mistresses and Cargo Masters, Kevin Marksman of the Victorious Talmanes, Mistress Malin of the Steel Magnolia, Matthew Zupka of the Lady Silverbow, Captain Finn of the SS. Oh my gosh, how do you say that? <laughs> <laughs> I was doing so well. Do you know what it is? Do it's you... the shipping name for Swan and Moraine. <laughs> Get it? The ship? <laughs> the SS Swarane. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. And then Wave Mistress Acel of the Kraken's Kiss. And we also have our innkeepers, Leith at the first inn, Winterfell Sedai of the Butterfly Garden Inn, Caitlin Dragon of the Cat Inn, Dirk of the Three Candles Inn, Cindy of the Silver Swan, and Chaitali of the Blue Rose. Thank you guys so, so much. Thank you. Seriously, thank you. <laughs> And that was fun. It's one of the things that I really appreciate about the community we've been able to, I almost want to say curate on our Discord channel. Like, we have so many different channels on our Discord server, and everyone on there is just so nice, so supportive, so sweet, so respectful of each other's opinions, whether they agree or not. And that's not to say that smack talk does not happen. 
I'm talking to you, Santi. <laughs> right? I'm right, right? <laughs> he knew that was coming. We love all of the people on our Discord channel, server, whatever the heck it is. We're so glad you're there. So thank you, everyone. And two, for our patrons, we sent out a message to everyone mm-hmm. this week asking if you had a certain name that you wanted to go by. And there were a couple people that we haven't heard a response from. So we kind of had given you some placeholder names for your ends and your ships. Yep. <laughs> so if you want to change those, just message us and we'll give you whatever name you would like. Exactly. And if you have a story to go along with it, that's always fun, too, because I know we have several patrons who have had stories that go along with their names that they've chosen. And it's just been it's been a delightful way to get to know the people that we get to interact with. And it's just delightful. And for the people that are on our Patreon, if you would like to join us on Discord, let us know and we'll help you figure it out <laughs> yeah yeah i'm still fumbling my way through discord and we've been doing this for over a year i'm getting better i made a channel <laughs> you did i Elaine's did bathtub tunes it's been so fun it's been so fun my so. last post there was mike Patton. you know the mm-hmm. guy from faith no more him singing italian oldies <laughs> in italian and i watched it it's if if you guys have not listened to the Mondo Kane album, oh my god, I was listening to it the other day, and all I could think of is that Lorna Balfi, the man that does the Wheel of Time music, mm-hmm. he needs to tap Mike Patton for some potential old tongue singing, I feel like. You know what? You mentioned that, and wouldn't that be fascinating to have something like that brought together? Mike Patton is a genius. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to stand out in front of Lorna Balfi's home with like a sign, <laughs> a boom box. I'm going to say that. <laughs> Was there anything else before we jump into just this I... free talk about all the stuff that we love? You know, when you phrase it like that, everything else that I could have said just kind of flies away. And I'm like, no, I'm ready to talk about... Always ready. Yeah, I actually always am ready to talk about this series. I went to the doctor yesterday and I went to get my hair cut yesterday. And I left both places with them going, I'm totally going to check out this Wheel of Time thing. And I was like, you totally should. (laughs) My last physical therapy appointment went very similar right Mm -hmm. I, I just can't stop talking about it and I think the thing that is so different I, I want to say like this time around, which sounds kind of weird, but I've been reading these books since I was like in my early teens. So it's been with me for a really long time. And I feel as though there's kind of this or has been almost the stigma around anything connected to fantasy, like, like almost a different nerd culture, if you will. Yeah. You know, and I mean, it's unfortunate and in some ways, Maybe that doesn't happen for everyone. I think we live in a different mind frame currently where fantasy is seen as what it is, imagination and creation and opportunity and a different way of looking at humanity. And I just, 
I love that. And I think Robert Jordan pulls it off beautifully in the series. And I suddenly feel free to talk about it to anyone. Doesn't matter who. Although it's really hard when you see people's eyes kind of glaze over when you tell them that it's 14 books and a prequel. <laughs> I think that's the biggest problem for me is when I'm talking to someone about it and mm -hmm. I want to explain what it's about. There's not enough time in the world to explain what it's about. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're getting all of these little clips dropping. Mm -hmm. Because if they tried to sum this all up, yeah, it would take a couple episodes for you it to would. even really get an idea about what's going on. Yeah. And that's hard. You don't mm -hmm. want to kind of beat your new audience over the head with exposition like no this is how everything happens and works in this world mm -hmm. and I think for me that was that hurdle of getting through the eye of the world yes yes I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about the original Halloween like the first Halloween movie mm -hmm. and how after this movie came about, it kind of gave birth to like a hundred tropes. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is the same thing with the Wheel of Time. Helen of Troy was the face that launched a thousand ships. Mm -hmm. The Wheel of Time is a series that launched a thousand tropes. Mm -hmm. And I can say that and not be sad or think mm -hmm. that that's a bad thing because it yeah. really shows how innovative it was. Absolutely. At its time mm -hmm. and how many different series have pulled from it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if you are just, for example, someone who's been reading a lot of fantasy or even just a little bit of fantasy, if you go back now and read The Eye of the World, you're like, this all feels kind of predictable. Mm -hmm. But it's because after this book came out, how many authors were like, oh, that's an interesting mm -hmm. topic to explore and then mm -hmm. kind of like pull some of that into their literature. So I think it's kind of cool. And I think I have to tell myself to remember this mm -hmm. when I get kind of eyes glazed over thinking about Eye of the World. <laughs> yes, yes. And I think like one of the things that we've talked about is the potential pressure put on Jordan to make it appealing for publishing. And mm -hmm. I think he sets that up really well in Eye of the World. You get just this little taste and it's almost like, okay, that's nice. But then you open up The Great Hunt and it's, wow, it's so different. It's so different and yet still totally the same so it was almost like his book did really well second book comes out and he's a little bit more himself like that's how it feels to me anyway yeah I think one of the first things that when I think about why I like it why mm -hmm. it resonated with me mm -hmm. and just this is a, another little shout out to Matthew one of our patrons because he gave us the idea for this episode. But, yeah, yeah. So thanks. Yeah. But I didn't open up the book expecting to fall in love with hundreds of characters. <laughs> I This was not something that I 
had any idea was going to happen. Mm -hmm. I really believed after Eye of the World, it was going to be following these kids around for the Mm -hmm. entire series and maybe a little bit from Moraine, maybe a little bit from Lan. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And to my surprise, the world just keeps expanding and you get more, more characters, more cultures, and it's really fun. And I think... For every person out there, if you were to open this book up and give it a chance, Mm -hmm. the series a chance, Mm -hmm. there's a character in there for you. Like, there's someone in there that you will resonate with. Oh, that's such a good way of saying it. It's so true. And I think the other thing to, to, like, add to what you're saying is you will find a different character to resonate with each time you read it. And that's like, that's why I have enjoyed Don't it. Don't get too crazy, Tracy. <laughs> You're already recommending that they reread before they start. <laughs> um, they're going to want to. Welcome you know to it. our circus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I finished A Memory of Light and flipped around and picked up Eye of the World right away. And it was soothing in a way. I mean, you get to the end of the series and a lot has happened over 14 books and you've gone on this emotional ride with so many different people. And like you said, there are people that you resonate with that you can recognize bits and pieces of yourself in. Mm -hmm. And like so many of the characters go through so many different layers of growth. Like they don't, they are not stagnant in who they are and how they behave in the world that they live in. And it's fun because it's almost like Jordan grows with his writing and his characters grow with his writing as well. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. And I think that's another good thing about the characters because there might be characters that you kind of really don't like at all. People that just get on your nerves and kind of, you're you're trying to read past their points of view because mm-hmm. it's just not your thing and then maybe get to the last few books they kind of turn around and turn a corner and mm-hmm. they become someone that you can't wait to get to there's a lot That's of growth. so true and two there are characters that you will love to hate like there are characters that you will hate read <laughs> And this is happening with uh, us with The Great Hunt. I mm-hmm. mean, there's a group of characters that maybe wear all white and they're big jerks and their <laughs> chapters are fascinating. If you're willing to dig into them, yeah. I am I am 100% guilty of just flashing through any POVs from our dudes in white. But like when you actually read it and I mean that's the thing about doing this reread is usually I'm so excited to get to specific points and so I kind of just skim over things that I feel like I've read before I just don't really care about but reading it more in depth this way like I catch so many things that I had never really caught before and like the political intrigues and maneuverings that happen are fascinating they represent in my opinion jordan's 
love of history and political science himself like you see that in I his writing I almost feel like Robert Jordan lived a thousand different lives and was reborn and remembers them all because the things that he wow. puts into these books it's just it's incredible and there is too this kind of a little bit of a detective sometimes when I'm going through these books and Nancy I think Drew. Yeah, and I think that's one of the <laughs> another one of the big reasons why they're really spectacular is sometimes you will stumble across something not even trying to find a mystery in mm-hmm. it and you will be left with a question where it's something that kind of stays with you throughout the series and it's always in the back of your head and you're thinking about yep. it and then at the end maybe there's a big discovery and mm-hmm. you were right. Maybe you were completely wrong. But one of the funnest things is watching new readers pick up this series and try and make predictions. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's many that I had where I was way off, like wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> there was one that you were right, right, right on that I was like, how did you how did you see that so fast? And Are I was ta- just like, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> okay. But two, that's, there's just, wow. There's bad guys at every turn, it feels mm-hmm. like. And just when you're going through all of these books, you can almost find yourself becoming a little bit paranoid. I know I was when I was reading Lord of Chaos. I was like, I can't trust anyone (laughs) all of them are bad everyone's awful I'm scared I'm scared and then that ending makes it one of the craziest (sighs) books that I've ever read which brings up another good point like if you're the type of person that likes battles bloody battles like wild (laughs) wild bodies turning into pink mist this is a series for you I thought Game of Thrones was gritty, and in some senses, Game of Thrones, uh, A Song of Ice and Fire is pretty, like, dark. Uh-huh. But the way that Robert Jordan writes battle scenes, I actually prefer. Because it feels really, really real. Mm-hmm. And, well, oh he boy. Was, he was oh a, boy. He was a veteran, right? <laughs> like, he had actually been in battles, right? think he was i'd have to double check like yeah i would have to as well because i mean his perspective feels he's seen war like up close i don't know if you know i'm not gonna presume about like what he did see like how yeah in depth it was but i'm sure he's seen enough and it's really i think it shows in his work I agree. I agree. The the tactician, like the battle tactician in him, it's fascinating. Yes. And every time we get to one of these big battles in the books, or even just a small one, like a yep. skirmish or something mm-hmm. that hasn't even happened in the series, mm-hmm. something that is just talked about that happened from the past. Yeah. It's just as good. Like yep. there are battles that we don't actually get to see. Mm-hmm. We only get to hear people 
reminiscing about them mm-hmm. and it's like whoa like I would really love to see that <laughs> yeah yeah I feel like this is kind of safe to say because it's in the trailer and I mean we've talked about this before as well but it looks as though we're gonna get Loghain's battle scene that we only hear about mm-hmm. through other people we never get to actually see that in the books and it looks as though there are other things that are like background moments that are going to get pulled into the TV series that mm-hmm. aren't in the books. And I love that. Robert Jordan does such a good job of giving us a vision of what's happening in his chapters. And if that were like recreated page by page somehow, why why would you come back and read the books? And so I feel as though there's like a really strong intention around the way mm-hmm. that the show is being created to give us, the longtime fans, some of the things that we might have been wanting to see, but also giving inspiration to the people who watch the show to pick up the books and get a different point of view or more in depth with some of their favorite characters. By the way, if anyone has fallen in love with Moraine, which you should have by now, you (laughs) should pick up New Spring. Just saying. Mm. It's short. It is the shortest of the books, and it is so good. It is so, so, so good. I was kind of like watching people talk about perhaps which books they should try and read before Ooh. the show comes out. And I mean, by the time question. this episode airs, it will, I mean, this episode that we're recording now, it will be, we have a week and one day until the first episode. Yeah. So I don't think people are going to be able to finish three books in that, <laughs> in amount, that amount of time. Of time. But New Spring, man, if you want to like, if you want to speed read through New Spring before the show comes out, highly highly recommend oh my god yeah it'll give you insight into moraine and lan that you don't get in the series Mm -mm. at all and since it does seem to be such a strong focus on the two of them and their journey to the two rivers i would recommend new spring to anybody who wants to watch the show and feel like they have a bit of a background knowledge. The other nice thing about New Spring is I'm pretty sure it introduces almost every nationality that we will see throughout the series in one way or another. Like, even if it's just mentioned, like we get the Aiel right away. Yeah, we Mm -hmm. get like, like I think when Lan talks... The first chapter of New Spring is so good. It's so good. It's so So good. good. It leaves like this big question mark about Lan and I mean if yeah and if you've read through the whole season like you'll get it right away like yep. there's no there's nothing to misinterpret but mm-hmm. just seeing it there on the page it's like it's just oh it's just like a little like I don't know it's just nice it's really nice I think with the series like this is something that Tracy and I have been saying since we started the podcast is do you think that we're gonna have pieces of new spring in the show because we really really hoped that would be the case Mm -hmm. and then with some of the things that we've seen it's like oh my gosh it's there yeah it's there it's It's there in the trailer yep (laughs) we know it's there it made me weep (laughs) Mm -hmm. there are definitely of course moments from eye of the world especially in these clips Mm -hmm. that we've gotten it's and i mean you need that you need that 
But to set up Eye of the World, you could maybe go through the first 10, 15 chapters and feel like you have kind of a bit of groundwork underneath you for what's going to happen at the beginning of the TV show. I have no idea what's going to happen towards the end of it. However, I mean, you even get the Borderlanders in New Spring. Mm -hmm. We get sexy land doing sexy land things that made me blush to read and sputter to the point where I could barely talk about it. (laughs) That moment when he when he has that fight and he's like, what does he say? Like six, six against one that only succeeds in the stories or something. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, oh. Time slowed, flowed like like cool, cool, honey. honey. It's like, so good. (laughs) So good. So if you don't want to read New Spring yet. (laughs) (laughs) What is wrong with you? (laughs) That's exactly what I was going to (laughs) say. No, seriously, if you, I really do think it gives a really great groundwork for what's going to unfold in the TV show. There's just so much in it that. Yeah, I I get that some people don't like prequels right but this one is worth it yeah and if you if you go in thinking that it's not the most fast paced it's not the most Mm action-packed but there are little mysteries and if you like to read for like the beauty of the prose wow like pick this book up because yep yep beautiful and then if you want we've already read it We've done a recap. <laughs> Go back and check that out because it's early on in, in our podcast, but we had so much fun reading it. Like I, I know I had hesitations around New Spring because I was one of those anti-prequel people and we decided to read it together because it was the only book that neither one of us had read in the series and it was glorious. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's Moraine and Swan go dress shopping together. I feel like that's all I need to say. (laughs) (laughs) When else do you get that in the series? So not to talk all about New Spring the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) But there is really good relationships. Some of these characters you get kind of like this buddy cop energy from where it can be really humorous. Yeah. Sometimes you have more of like a sisterly bond between Mm -hmm. characters. And sometimes you've got kind of like cat and mouse where it's maybe one of the bad guys kind of just slowly Mm -hmm. wrapping their Mm -hmm. claws around one of your beloved characters being pursued, being chased. Maybe they're a spider. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) When I think about Something that kind of snuck up on me. Mm -hmm. I didn't expect to laugh reading these books, Mm -hmm. like wholeheartedly, like get like a good chuckle from. Right. Yeah. And some of the times it's just from this very minor character that just is one of the smallest (laughs) roles to play in the book where you're just like, man, I wish I had more of that guy. My leg, then, my lord's leg is not a side, not of, a beef. side of beef. Yeah. <laughs> and then there are moments that will just make you cry. I mean, oh I, my god. Some people aren't big criers, but the amount of men that I have heard like reading these books and say like that made me weep. Like yeah. I cried. Mm-hmm. And it's just oh, 
hits you right in the gut. There's mm-hmm. so it's such emotionally charged moments. It's just really impressive what it Robert really Jordan is. has done. And I think one of the things that makes this series so appealing is we as humans love stories. We love stories about love, about humanity, about good versus evil. And Robert Jordan just pulls all of these things together. I mean, he really just weaves this beautiful story with so Mm -hmm. many characters. It feels like a real world, something you could step into and live in. I wouldn't want to because there is no indoor plumbing and that would ruin my bath schedule. (laughs) (laughs) Elaine gets away with it, but she's got servants. I probably wouldn't. I'd probably be one of the servants. (laughs) Yeah. So I think one of the things to think about going in to the series, say Mm -hmm. maybe it's something that you're considering. Don't expect instant payoff Mm. with every book. Yeah. Take it all in as like Mm -hmm. a whole and don't wait for big, massive, energetic moments with the plot in each book because some of them kind of twist and turn and some of them go at a slower pace and then some of them are just fast a lot of momentum yep you kind of have to just like ride the wave of it Mm -hmm. but I will say that just how things do end up I think is really well done considering Jordan didn't get to finish his own books yeah yeah I love it. I I actually really enjoyed the last three books a lot. Yeah, and if you're a Brandon Sanderson fan, like, what are you waiting for? <laughs> read, read the whole series. You've it's... got time on your hands. <laughs> I'm sure you're waiting for the next Brandon Sanderson book anyways. Go back in between the yeah, weights yeah. and read. And start Jordan. reading. Do <laughs> yeah. it. It's a glorious series, but it does take time to get through and in some ways I think I was really fortunate to be reading it when like the books were still coming out like Mm -hmm. they weren't all published and I had to wait and in those times I'm not a huge fantasy book reader but I like a good story I would reread almost every book before the next book would come out And I had time and I didn't want to read anything else. Mm -hmm. So, and I knew I would forget everything. Like if you aren't reading these back to back, it's, I mean, even if you are, there are so many things that happen. It's really easy to be like, how did that happen again? Where was that? What book was that in? Yeah. Another thing that I didn't expect was these strong female characters I wasn't, I didn't pick up the book looking for that. I mean, if it's in there, it's a bonus, but mm-hmm. I didn't pick it up thinking like, oh, okay, like I'm going to, I'm going to read about strong women. You start going through the series mm-hmm. and you start realizing that some of the characters that you'll love end up being just these pretty much like warrior women. I don't know if there's really another way to describe it. That's exactly how I feel too. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it it is a bonus. And in this one, for me, it's shifted. Like when I was young, I kind of 
resonated more with Aguina and Nynaeve. Aguina especially. I was much closer to her age than anyone else when I was reading the series. But then as I got older, I felt like I was more resonating with like the Aes Sedai and the older women in the series and seeing mm-hmm. things from a different point the of view. The wise ones were exactly. awesome. Yeah. Yes, I really appreciated them. And it, it went from me feeling like one of the younger folk on the adventure to feeling like one of the adults wondering what the kind of hell. like leading leading the pack yeah. yeah like and getting frustrated with these kids and i'm like mm-hmm. when did i reach that age when like 18 19 20 year olds are kids but i mean that happened a long time ago so i i love that <laughs> i love that you can come back and be connected to someone different mm-hmm. or find a character that you might have just like glossed over like my love and appreciation for Talmanes is strong <laughs> but it may not have happened had i not gotten all the way through the series like oh he's so good <laughs> yeah yeah with his shaved forehead and goatee and dry 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 wet yeah dry I yield he's waste. Kind, he's dry. kind of always, yeah. He's kind of always <laughs> in on the joke too, and he doesn't show it. And I just love that. Some characters from certain places have a strange sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Some of them will really resonate with you. Some of them will just leave you shaking your head, like I don't get it. That's probably not even funny at all. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I think there's a culture even for every type of reader. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you're kind of more of like the straight laced Kyrian dry sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Maybe you will find. Maybe maybe there are a bunch of blacksmiths out there that are like, parents want a man. <laughs> are there still blacksmiths? Well, the, what I was going to say, though, is like with the, the sea folk, even like there's a whole culture that are basically just expert negotiators where they can oh my God. where they can kind of like write you out of your own decision-making process like it's just it's crazy how they can kind of like come in and with before you even know it you're probably not wearing shoes or your jacket anymore (laughs) like they've taken everything from you and you're walking around stumbled thankful that that's all that you lost naked yeah (laughs) thank goodness that was it they could have taken so much more Yeah, and then we have, like, brilliant warrior cultures, like mm. the Aiel or mm. the Borderlanders, and it's just cool. It's, it's just cool. really fun. Yeah. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love that. I love the culture expansion that happens in the Wheel of Time. I mean, there's, of course, like, the map at the beginning of every book and whatnot, and that's great, but you have no idea that you're actually going to be bouncing all over that map soon and, like, That's beyond. true. So... Anything else you want to add before this goes on a little bit too long? I don't know. I guess whatever age you are, whatever gender you identify with, I feel as though it's humanity, hope, and balance that are the main themes that come across in The Wheel of Time. And I'm excited for a new telling of it 30 years after it first came out to see what a hardcore fan is going to bring to it on screen. You know what I mean? But also before we wrap up, 
because we need to let everybody know we're taking a break. Yes. We will be back for the first episode of the TV show. Absolutely. 100%. Oh, yeah. But the podcast in between those dates, we're Mm -hmm. just going to take a little bit of time off. Yeah. So be prepared for us to come out swinging for episode one through three. And the possibility that if we get some more little tasty tidbits from Amazon, then keep an eye out on our YouTube channel because those will most likely go up there. Yeah. They're shorter things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to jump into spoilers now after (gasps) the break. Hello, friends. It's time for a new ad. There's so much happening in the Wheel of Time world, and we have opportunities for you to help us continue to create quality Wheel of Time content. If you would like to help, rate us wherever you listen. This helps other people find the podcast. You can also join us on YouTube and subscribe to the channel. Help create the show by joining us on Patreon. We have four different tiers with perks ranging from shoutouts to bonus content to merch not found in our Threadless store. Speaking of the Threadless shop, it's absolutely bursting with beautiful Wheel of Time designs and various items to put them on. Need a Wolf Brother t-shirt? It's there. A first sister pin to send to your bestie? We've got them. How about a White Tower dropout sweatshirt? You know Amber made one. The point is, we love the Wheel of Time. You love the Wheel of Time. Go get some merch that shows it. You can find links for Patreon and our Threadless shop in our show notes. One last thing. You guys are the best. Your support means the world to us. Thank you for being the amazing people, humans, sentient creatures that you are, and keeping us company on the road to Tarvalin. And we're back. And we're back! (laughs) How was your break? Are you feeling refreshed? Super refreshed. Awesome. (laughs) I love it. We have questions from Discord that we want to talk about. And our first one is from Christian. And he said, one fun question to discuss is how the Wheel of Time has affected your outlook on the general scope of fantasy. For me, it's become so much harder to read new books as I am comparing everything to the Wheel of Time. I get that. It's kind of, it, it, it brings me back to what I was saying at the beginning, how I feel like with the Wheel of Time, after it was written, there's all of these tropes that you can pull from the series. And it's crazy because when you think about it, maybe everything after you read the Wheel of Time, you're like, oh, like this feels familiar for some reason Mm -hmm. but for me it was because all the stuff that I had read before the wheel of time was probably pulling from the wheel of time and I went back to the wheel of time and I'm like this feels familiar (laughs) (laughs) it's like the the snake eating its tail (laughs) right yeah it's just a big loop this is what I have created yeah that's something that you can absolutely celebrate or it can also be something where it's like oh not again Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I could see how it would make things harder yeah yeah I don't really follow genres of books I follow topics and authors 
And for me, I read, like I dabbled in sci-fi fantasy when I was looking for things after I was done reading Mm -hmm. Babysitter's Club. And (laughs) this just felt like a good transition. Like somebody gave me something. I don't even remember what it was. And in all honesty, this, the Wheel of Time series is the last fantasy series I've read. I haven't picked up anything new. The only thing that I've picked up from that particular genre is more sci-fi and it's the expand or yeah, the expanse series. Personally, like I feel like there's a lot of points and topics that can kind of ebb and flow into sci-fi and fantasy. Yes, absolutely. And so when people are like, well, I just like fantasy or I'm Mm -hmm. I'm mostly just like sci-fi and it's to me, like, I can usually pick out quite a few things where it's like, this kind of works in both. And I feel like the genres, as time has gone on, have kind of like split into more of their own things. But I mean, if you read something like Dune, mm-hmm. there's so much where it's like, oh, that reminds me of the Wheel of Time. And it's, you know, like, is it sci-fi? Yeah, but it's also fantasy. Like, mm-hmm. what's what's really drawing that? line there I mean is kind of subjective but I think that's a really good point yeah and it's I don't know it's fun I'm I'm reading a three body problem right now what's that is wild (sighs) I don't even know how to explain it without giving things away (laughs) what is it called just tell just tell me what it's called and I'll I'll write it down and look it up later the three body problem the three body problem Mm -hmm. Murder mystery? No. No. Okay. Like a very smart sci-fi Chinese author. Mm. It's translated into English. The translation is really good so far that I've found. Cool. Thank you. But back to uh, sci-fi and fantasy. It's, I think, with The Wheel of Time... There are elements of both, and there are people that will swear up and down the Wheel of Time is only fantasy, period. I would disagree. I think there's so many, you know, there's mirror worlds and parallel worlds. There are beings from other dimensions. Mm -hmm. There are beings from other worlds. They're genetically modified or enhanced super killers. Yep. There are... Like, it's got a lot going on. It really does. It really does. Yeah. And those might not be, like, the big biggest plot points of the series, but they but make up there. the book. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They provide the foundation that builds the book. Yeah. So it's there, and it's important. The general outlook and scope of fantasy, has it affected it? Yes, definitely. I'm always comparing now. <laughs> Or I'm always just saying, like, oh, like, this feels familiar. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I feel like there's a little, like, wink and a nod. Yeah. For me, I look for good authors. And I want to find authors that make me feel. And that's what I love about this series. I feel every time I read it. I cry. I laugh. I get my heart broken. And it's even when I know what's coming next because it's written so well. So I think how this has affected me, especially when I was younger, 
was to push me to find authors of a higher caliber than what I had been reading, which actually led to some really fantastic authors and books, and I have enjoyed them thoroughly. But for me, currently, I'm much more of a nonfiction reader, and I blame my schooling for that in a good way. I can see how that would almost affect your love for The Wheel of Time as well, because when you are reading The Wheel of Time, it can feel like you are reading the history of a fantasy place like Mm -hmm. it's almost like tomes of like history books yes and littered throughout the series like you are getting the history of many different cultures and Mm -hmm. peoples and nationalities and I think too like if that's something that if you are kind of a history nerd, mm-hmm. look out because the Wheel of Time will. It's one of the it's one of the reasons why I do pick up my historical nonfiction stuff as much as I do. And I mean, besides the fact that I love it, it's that I mean, I I watch the weirdest documentaries, and I got totally obsessed with watching stuff about farming. Rasputin softcore porn. <laughs> I have not gone back to that show. That may be the main reason. That'll be something that I never thought I would hear myself say on the podcast. Netflix, you should be ashamed of yourself for that. It's terrible. No, I I was watching, it's like living archaeology, basically. And so they go to a specific time period and they farm like it's that time period so when you're in the two rivers and there's farming and stuff i'm like thinking about the sheep and when they need to be sheared and like the planting and how it looks and how it's done and i mean how the heck did robert jordan know all those things like what about the poultice that gets made with like the wet bread because bread when it like grows mold is an antibacterial right biotic biotic right how did he know that how did he know that what all did this man read what all was he into like he must have just been like that's my loony theory robert jordan has been reborn thousands of times i would believe it he's like brigida he's had so many (laughs) lifetimes (laughs) just got all that knowledge up there and all he did was hang out and tell her on Riyadh and <laughs> type away if this typewriter can't do it fuck it nothing can that's actually how one of my favorite books opens it's one of my favorite lines <laughs> of any book ever ever written next question yeah this is from wonderful wicked I would love for y'all Y'all. Y'all. <laughs> to delve into the relationship between Elaine and Nynaeve. Their buddy cop dynamic is my favorite thing about book five. And as different as they are, I think they bring out the best in each other. They definitely grow up a lot during their time together. Agreed. It's really kind of an interesting dynamic between the two because where each of these characters are from, Nynaeve is the the wisdom and then elaine has been raised since birth being coached on how to be the best ruler possible mm-hmm. and man i feel like these two characters should almost not even get along because mm-hmm. i feel like there would always be 
someone trying to overstep the other and put mm-hmm. themselves at a higher position than the other. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, Nynaeve and Elaine kind of just work. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there's anything shallow really about them mm-hmm. to the point where they can't get along. Like mm-hmm. they have their little bits where sometimes they're not seeing eye to eye, mm-hmm. but they don't have that same dynamic as maybe Egwene and Nynaeve where someone's definitely higher up than the other and it kind of becomes, I don't want to say competition. Mm. I'm sure there's it's a better word for it. It's not inaccurate to say competition though, you know? I mean, there are moments where Egwene is like, hmm, like <laughs> this will show her that she can't push me around yeah. ever again. Yeah, And... In the end, Nynaeve is kind of just, like, goes along with it. Like, all right, you're the Amerlin. Like, cool. Yeah, yeah. But with Elaine and Nynaeve, they're kind of on this, like, equal but separate footing. They've got such different personalities as well, where maybe it just kind of, they work really well together because they're different. I also the same. I think that... <laughs> hard it is I think what I think what stands out to me with Elaine and Nynaeve is it is a triumph over the battle of communication because we get inside both their heads so we can Mm -hmm. see both their point of views it is really difficult to communicate a lot of the time Like, we can't read each other's minds, and sometimes we project our feelings on other people. But Nynaeve and Elaine find a way to talk to each other and connect with each other because they need each other, and they recognize that. And their need, along with, like, their shared vision of what they Mm -hmm. want to see happen, of what they know needs to happen. I think that's another thing that helps pull them together is they know they don't really have much of a choice other than to work with each other. And I think they really see the competence in each other as well. Exactly. Like when they're finding the stolen Angriol and they're working together. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of bad things happen, but at the same time, they get it done eventually. Yeah. At some point, follow the winds, they do it. It's why people call them the super girls. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I'm also thinking, is this also the book where they discover the kin? This is a moment that they share together where Nynaeve is like, hey, I want you to come with me. We're going to go do this thing. And Elaine bitches about it pretty much the entire time oh we could be in the palace and we could be doing these things right now and instead we're going on this foolhardy mission and then at the same time she she puts the throne of andor on hold Mm -hmm. so that she can get this done exactly she could have turned back if Mm -hmm. she wanted to well and she didn't have to follow Nynaeve in that moment she could have right. been like, you know what? I think that this is pointless and I'm just going to go my way. But she follows. She kind of like whines and bitches about it while she does it. But whatever. She still follows her and she's still kind of her while she's doing it, if that makes sense. And I think that that just shows that they trust each other. Elaine may have been complaining, but she wouldn't have kept going had she not thought Nynaeve actually had something to show her 
Elaine's stubborn. She'll dig in her heels and do what she wants when she wants. And as the daughter heir of Andor, she can. I'm jogging my memory now. Did you find, did you find when, something? Yeah, they are. They're in Tanchico. Doesn't that one start out with like the Panarchs Palace where Nynaeve goes ham on Mogidian? Yes. Such a good part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I felt two women channeling strong enough to shake the palace. Yes. Love that. Sorry, I'm getting like sidetracked, but anyways. It's okay. No. There are so many good moments that involve Elaine and Nynaeve. Like it's not, they don't meet each other and become best friends. You know, they yeah. meet each other and they kind of are like, they're associates. <laughs> yeah. They're like, well, I guess I'm, I'll work with you. But they find common ground. They find a way to work together. It is a very human experience. And I like that it's set up that way, that it's not every relationship is easy. Not every relationship mm-hmm. just takes off immediately where you magically know how to talk to each other and get through things together. But Elaine and I need to figure that out and they find friendship inside it. So I don't know. That's how, that, that's how I see it. How you want to take the it. next one? Okay, so this is from Zach from Tuna Mike podcast, which we really like that show. We're actually going to be on that show next week. But his question is, could we talk about character development, not from the perspective of authors, which Sanderson does so well in his YT series. However, the maturity of the protagonists as the story develops Egwene and Rand change a lot, but what about the others? Matt seems to remain the rascal of old. Perrin is big, morose puppy whose growl deepens throughout. Nynaeve, Lan, Moraine. That would take a while to sum up. Right? Like, I could write a thesis paper on it, maybe. (laughs) A few years later. (laughs) Right, yeah. Zach, are you willing to wait for your answer? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, there's so many characters. I feel I feel like the younger characters are almost somewhat unlikable in the beginning because mm. there is this stubborn, childish streak in right? them. Mm-hmm. And it's not a bad thing. It's just you're giving them that opportunity to really grow throughout mm-hmm. the series. And those are the characters that have, I think, the biggest character arc. Mm-hmm. The ones that are seen as kind of a little bit immature, stubborn. Matt definitely has some help from all of the memories that are put into his head. True. He does kind of say on a similar, like, character I, throughout the whole time, except for does, when he has the dagger. He does and he doesn't, though. Like, I feel as though Matt is trying to tell himself that he's still the same Matt he always has been. But I feel his actions and the responsibilities he takes on say otherwise. Like, he basically adopts a kid along the way and looks out for him. And I kind of feel like young Matt would have done the same thing, though, like in the I two don't rivers. Know. I don't know. Like, Matt always felt like the guy who was dodging responsibility. Like, he didn't want want to help. 
Or did he just want the perception of dodging responsibility? So like a front? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I personally, like, I love Matt. I do not love early Matt, but I love the person that he becomes. So for me, that, that speaks of change in who he is and what he chooses to do. He tries so hard. Yeah, Perrin just gets his butt kicked into becoming who he is by Fail, and then like all of the hardships that he suffered, like mm-hmm. losing his family and so on. But I actually, I don't mind Fail. I actually kind of like her. Mm-hmm. Brandon and Egwene have kind of. I feel like Egwene stays pretty similar mm-hmm. throughout mm-hmm. the entire entire story she just gets some good she becomes more honed do you know what i mean yeah she kind of gets like coaching from swan and then as soon as she's kind of like gotten all that she needs she's like on to the next mm-hmm. so she's just like the sponge yeah but i don't think that really like changes her like who she is Mm-mm. she gets maybe more adaptable like into the game of houses and mm-hmm. Aes Sedai politicking mm-hmm. but I don't think it really changes who she is Mm-mm. no she shows herself to be perceptive from the very beginning yeah yeah so like her ability to observe and put together situations is really valuable for who she becomes but it's something that she started out with. So that's true. And I also feel as though the exposure she's given in various places, like every place Egwene visits, she mm-hmm. picks up a piece of their culture and kind of keeps it with her. The Aiel, Egwene's time with the Aiel is one of my favorite sections. Like the woman she comes back as from that is so resilient like she already had that from being this stubborn menethrin descendant and then she I'm goes and trains sure with the IEL. i'm not sure that she i don't know i feel differently Ooh. oh i want to hear it i want to hear it why <laughs> tell me tell me tell me just i think it's the whole like chiito thing mm-hmm. after i she finished like that part with the IEL, i mm-hmm. was really like loving her and thinking like wow like She's really grown. She's really changed. And I feel like this deep sense of morality coming from her now with like taking punishment mm-hmm. and confessing that she has toe. Mm-hmm. And then after that chapter, it all goes out the window. And I kind of feel like she never took to heart those lessons. Just mm. like what she 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 took what she can use, I guess. Mm-hmm. And if she didn't need to use these lessons with the Aes Sedai and the White Tower, it was like pass behind her. So mm-hmm. it was kind of like feel her like I feel like she's like looking through everything. Like, can I use this? No. Do I need that? No. Like <laughs> that. Yeah. Yeah. I do think I think that that's accurate. I think that, but I think that is what makes her so adaptable. At the same time, is like yeah. I have this in my background. What can I pull from it to use in this particular situation? So she does just kind of like pick and choose 
what to mm-hmm. use and when to use it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm per- in particular. It's very. I feel like I feel like she was Isadai from day one, mm-hmm. and everything that she learned and the steps that she took were just for her to kind of like get an advantage in this Aes Sedai mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. But she is able to achieve crazy things that I personally would not be able to. Yeah. So kudos. Yeah. <laughs> like, so excited to see Madeline Madden be a queen. She's going to do so good. Lan Nynaeve. Lan is pretty much like if he was a heartbeat, he was just kind of like flatline the entire story <laughs> until him and Nynaeve finally get together. Mm-hmm. And even then it was still just like a a little <laughs> Yes. Like just like at we least on the outside. <laughs> yeah. And then it was uh was well hidden. Yeah. But I still I still love him. Like yeah. Lan as a character. There are he's, there are... he's one of those very tropey characters and I mm-hmm. still love it. Like yeah. I don't care. I nope. don't care. Mm-mm. There's just <laughs> something about it where I'm like, yeah. All mm-hmm. of that. I'm okay with all of that. There I mean there are some things about his background and I think we've talked about it on other episodes that I'm like, is that the right thing to do? But whether it was the right thing or not for him to do. Yeah. And not even like an apathetic attempt. It's, it's his core. It's who he is. Like the only way Maureen is able to get him to move away from this life that he had been living and do something productive that would not lead men to their deaths would be to join her in this like ultimate battle against the shadow in this quest like the quest of all quests like. and it goes like it goes from there all the way to the fucking end like all the way to the end lan is mm-hmm. on this journey and he is focused like an arrow Nynaeve is yeah. bonus you know mm-hmm. unexpected mm-hmm. and she somehow fits him perfectly and that's awesome because how great is that? They they were on a very similar path, and I think mm-hmm. that's why they work so well. I think almost for, like, different reasons, though. They were mm-hmm. on the same path, but they both had different directives, things that they wanted to achieve. Lan, the war with the shadow, and that's his goal, I think. And with Nynaeve, it was protecting mm. this boy that mm-hmm. would lead the war against the shadow yeah and oh man does she ever but yeah and Nynaeve just from day one is like oh what I said I who's that you're not above me (laughs) please and I love yeah I love that though like I love that initial reaction to someone who they make and break kingdoms they pull the strings in this world and Nynaeve is just like Whatevs. Not impressed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a really good point. And I mean, it doesn't help that Moraine is like, didn't she call her child or yeah. something like that? Yeah. No, that's not going to go over well with her at all. I was just kind of thinking about the aspect of Lan and Nynaeve being orphans. 
and how protective they both are of Rand. Like, Lan definitely takes mm -hmm. a bit more time and effort with Rand than he seems to with Matt and Perrin, especially early in the books, like the Great Hunt in particular. Lan goes with Rand to the Amaralyn, instructs him on what he needs to do, what he should say. Mm -hmm. And he's been spending more time with him because of sword practice and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel as though Lan almost pulls in the influence from Bukama in his life and attempts to apply it to Rand. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah. probably been a really long time or maybe the only time that he's really like taken that kind of one-on-one -on -one time with another person outside of like Moraine for like 20 years. Yeah, I would say that that is like a part of Land's growth as well. With Nynaeve, I just, I love something about a character who is angry and it's a part of her. Yeah. And I think with women all around the world, everywhere you are, there is that hesitance to be seen as an angry woman. You mm -hmm. do not want to be labeled that, even if you're just being assertive mm -hmm. or sticking up for yourself. Yeah. It's something that people try and hide, I guess. Mm -hmm. And that's why I love Nynaeve, because she's just unapologetically pissed. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. And while it's good to say how you feel and put things out there, it's also not healthy to be angry just for the sake of being angry. Yeah. And letting go and being okay and finding that little bit of serenity in yourself, I think is just a really beautiful story. So I agree. I also like the fact that she gets to a point where she learns how to say she's wrong. Like, mm -hmm. Nynaeve struggled with that. Yeah, she couldn't. The whole... She wouldn't even be mm -mm. able to express being wrong about something because the entire village would come with pitchforks. Yeah. Like, they already blamed everything on her. Yep. And so, like, when she made a decision, when she felt something needed to go a specific way, she became, like, this rock like resistant to anything mm -hmm. other than her idea and it's it's part of her story where she learns how to soften herself to being wrong to being apologetic to listening to other people's advice and this is a particular story arc that I feel close to because I am also not great at being told I'm wrong. It's taken years and years to feel graceful around being told that I'm wrong. And I think she has a very similar epiphany where admitting that you're wrong so often opens up a conversation where people can come together. Because if we all dig in our heels on every side, it's conflict. It's not mm -hmm. openness. And that's relinquishing yourself, relinquishing yourself to Sedar the way that you need to 
Nynaeve needed to learn how to do that emotionally before she could do that with the one power. I think this is still one of my favorite mysteries of the series Mm. is how Nynaeve could actually channel while angry when it goes against like the canon Mm -hmm. of the magic system. Wonderful Wicked pointed out on Discord that maybe it has everything to do with how she was taught to mm. channel. Mm. The Aes Sedai do things differently than the wise ones and so on. So wouldn't it be hilarious if there actually like was just another way to train yourself to channel without this serenity talk? Isn't that what wilders are? Is women who have taught themselves how to channel in a way that isn't this acceptance, this release of yourself to Sidar. There was that one Aes Sedai who, like, she was a wilder and her block was she could only channel when there was a cute boy around. And I don't know about anyone else, but when I was around a boy that I thought was cute, I was anything but calm and collected. (laughs) (laughs) I was probably a total mess. So the fact that she could channel through that also goes against it. Who's the other one? Galena Caspin was her was her mentor Aes Sedai in literally the one who had to get drunk to channel. To break our block, I mean. I don't know, because Galena beat this. It was Tarna, Tarna Fear. Maybe that was her block, and Galena, like, literally beat it out of her. So I know one, she... of, one of the characters who had a block, like, had to get smashed. Yeah. <laughs> to break her block. Also does not sound calm and collected. <laughs> no, alcohol is, like an upper yeah <laughs> marijuana now maybe some of that two rivers to back <laughs> like maybe that's the key to breaking the block that's actually what i was just thinking too like <laughs> they just need to get all of them stoned mm-hmm. and yeah. see what happens like oh my god can you imagine naive stoned i don't want to think about it i hate it <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really even register for me no uh, she wouldn't she no. wouldn't no, mm-hmm. that's so funny. I wonder if she recommends it to patients, though. Who would get high? Who do you Matt. Think? Oh, yeah, Matt, definitely. Rand, every once in a while, Perrin, never. Perrin, if Fayil lets him. Ooh. Or if Fayil would just, like, approach it and, like, be like, yeah, do this. And Perrin would probably be like, no, I'm not really into it. Mm-hmm. And she'd be like, relax. <laughs> <laughs> you need to. This will help. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's Lan, yeah, when he's like writing his warrior poetry, definitely doing his <laughs> doing his sword forms in the early morning sun. <laughs> with a fatty little, little wake and bake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Elaine, yeah, while she's in the bath. Definitely. 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 Why didn't you guys ask us these questions? Right. Which one of which one of the Wheel of Time characters would get super stoned? Brigida. Oh yeah, Brigida, definitely. I feel like Moraine and Swan New Spring <laughs> era only. Like before they put mice in, in Elida's, Elida's bed, bed, they were baked. Like we all know it. Yes. Oh my god, I can <laughs> that see was that such 100%. a stoner idea. <laughs> 
They were sitting on the floor in like one of their rooms, passing a joint back and forth, using the one power, not their hands. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> so what should we hey. do to Elida? Puff, puff, puff. <laughs> Exactly. exactly. This is this is my new favorite mental image of yes. Rain and Swan. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> I love this so much. <laughs> Who else? Who else? Egwene. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know. I feel like she might. Yeah, I feel like she would, but I she feel wouldn't like really her... tell people she would. Yeah, and I feel like for her, it'd be like medicinal anti-anxiety yeah. kind of shit <laughs> when she's Halima's, got her migraines when yeah. Halima's rubbing her head she's just like that's why she likes Halima <laughs> it's her connection mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> we've turned all of these characters into druggies <laughs> Tom absolutely that's why he's so good at storytelling <laughs> right all I can see is eye of the world with him on the table. <laughs> the red eye of the world. <laughs> uh. Who else? I'm sorry. <laughs> the red eye of the world is this. <laughs> written by uno <laughs> like he only needs visine for one <laughs> you know uno walks around with a pouch <laughs> flaming goat kissing something or another i can't even think of yeah. like what he would say but it would flaming be bad goat kissing mother of a missing oh. who am i missing there's someone that i feel like Masima. oh he needs to chill no <laughs> he is not no someone needs to pass him an edible <laughs> yeah someone brought this for you oh avienda yeah i feel like she'd be chill like she'd be down maybe she would do like dagger throwing tricks Ooh, that would be cool. That'd be fun. Not, yeah, party tricks. Yes. <laughs> Leap, jump, kick. I love that game. <laughs> okay. Next question. Uh, Joe from Tucker on Riyadh, who's your guilty pleasure character? This is actually really hard for me. I've been thinking about this question for days. And I just... For me, it's the fact that I like some of the really bad characters a lot. Like, I like Lanfear a lot. I like Elida. Who would you be embarrassed to say that you like? Is there someone to be embarrassed for liking? I guess that's where I'm stuck. I didn't really, like, talk about the books a lot because I was like, no one's going to get this. So, like, for me, it was, like, all characters were off limits. No one was going to get what I was talking about. Mm -hmm. And after, like, working on this podcast and whatnot for over a year, I don't feel ashamed about anyone that I like. Like, there's no one that I would be, like, I love this character and I would feel bad for announcing it. Or expect any kind of, like, pushback. That's a very weak answer, Tracy. I'm disappointed in you. I know! I'm so sorry! (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know. I like, I think Elaine is one of the characters that gets talked badly about, especially in the end there, because she's like, I can't die. I'm pregnant because <laughs> prophecy, which is really dumb. <laughs> it's a really stupid yes. <laughs> situation. Yeah. But I love like how she is. She's totally okay with herself. Like she likes to take baths. She likes a little bit of silk. Like mm-hmm. she's kind of a pampered Princess, woman. Yeah, yeah. And her best friend, her first sister, is a freaking I like farterized my warrior woman. Yep. And for their relationship to get along, you know that there's got to be more to Elaine than what's like behind her. Yes. And I feel like she's politically savvy i agree but i also i really like fail it's something that was brought up on our discord and i feel the same way that i think we see fail from the standpoint of perrin so often that it colors our thoughts about her and He's interpreting everything. So he's through saying, like, his nose. Yeah, exactly. She Stop smells that. jealous. Yeah. Stop we, that. Exactly. And we don't really get to see Fail for who she is until she gets point of view chapters. And I think those chapters are great. Like mm-hmm. I love her working with more gays. Oh my god. It's just good. Like it's I good. liked it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people hate it. So yeah, I would consider that a guilty pleasure character. I really hate the slapping and hitting Mm. that she does. Mm -hmm. But I also wouldn't hate a child from learning bad behavioral processes Mm -hmm. from their parents. Yeah. If this is what you grew up with, Mm -hmm. if you can actually break that habit and step out of it and become a better person, like you're that times like stronger for Mm -hmm. it. So, I mean, yeah. And so I don't really feel as though I have any guilty pleasure characters. And that feels like such a lame, lame answer. I feel like a good question would be like, who do you not like that everyone likes? <laughs> oh. Mm. I I dislike Perrin. I don't know if that's like a common opinion. I usually find his point of view is kind of frustrating and a little boring. Um, I the best thing about there him goes, is there Fael. goes all the parent fans. Yeah, it was nice having you guys here while you were here. <laughs> the coolest thing about Parent is the wolves. That's the coolest thing about him. That is cool. I will give him that. But he does not become a character that I'm actually interested in until like very late in the series when he like learns how to move through Teleronriad with Hopper which why didn't they do that so much sooner like he learns he makes a forged power rot weapon and mm-hmm. becomes like that was something that was on our discord too where i was like nodding my head in agreement like mhm mhm mm-hmm. i f- i feel that like i just feel like he is underdeveloped until close to the end and at that point i just almost didn't even care because there's so much else happening that it's like oh perrin became an actual character cool got it thanks it's about time okay 
Well, for sharing that with us, then I'm very happy. You put yourself out on the line. Do you feel better now? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Good. (laughs) But see, I can stand by that. I can defend that position. I'm all right with it. (laughs) Well done. Thank you. Thank you. So before we wrap it up, do we want to talk about the new clip? Oh, yeah. If we can. It was great. Yes. We're done. It was lovely (laughs) talking to all of you. Thanks for waiting until this uh, detailed dive into the newest clip. (laughs) I loved the sense of getting ready for a journey. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. she is gearing up. She is Mm -hmm. getting prepared. She is not going to sit still for the things that she knows are going to happen to happen in front of her. She is going to go find them. She has a reason. She has a purpose. And I feel as though it really comes across strongly in this clip. And I love that because I think that Moraine has grit and determination Mm -hmm. that gets hidden beneath her eyes today calm and just these movements this motion that she's going through the set of determination on her face Mm -hmm. i loved it i loved it i think that they have picked such a good actress for moraine to me i think just listening to her voice Mm -hmm. itself this great delivery Mm -hmm. and I just, I love hearing her voice. She feels like a storyteller. Yeah, yeah. And she's doing the audiobook now as well. Did you see that? Yes. I really, again, like, just want to come back to the costumes because I'm so here for the suspenders. Good. Here for it. Love it. How else are you going to keep your pants up? Right? She's going to be on a horse. She's going right? to be you like, can't, you can't be pulling your pants up all the time. You don't want plumbers crack while you're riding a horse. <laughs> Not a good look. I have a feeling Moran would be very against that. <laughs> right? <laughs> Fix that. That is unacceptable. That would change her whole like entry into the two rivers. Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel that, you know, you stand up, you have to adjust everything. Maybe this helps to keep like clothes fussing to a minimum <laughs> like i'm just thinking of like the thumbs and the belt loops as she's standing <laughs> and she has a whole different vibe now because she's kind of like got like a western she takes off her cloak and her coat and everything and she's like walking around holding her suspenders <laughs> out and land kind of like coming out of the shadows very cool I really, like, that's just a, that is one of the things that has me really excited, is if they can tell this much of the story in such a short period of time, mm-hmm. what are we going to get in a full-length series? Like, her costume says so much about what's going to happen. The room she's in says a lot about who she is. Land fading in behind her tells us a little bit about where he belongs in her life. He's got her yeah. back, literally. He mm-hmm. will always have her back. And I just, it's got me ready. You know what I mean? Like, Eye of the World is all about 
leave takings and being on the road and this adventure that just does not stop. And I feel like... How do you feel about the dialogue? We don't know if it's a girl or a boy. Um, it doesn't bother me. Okay. It, it took me, like, when it, when it was first said, it kind of took me aback a little bit because I don't know why it would be necessary to say that. Like... This is true. Like, we know the dragon has been reborn. We know that the dragon reborn is somewhere. Is it necessary to say we don't know the gender of the dragon reborn? Is it necessary to even bring up as a plot point? Right. I mean, if if you're inserting it there to make it more of a question who is the dragon which seems to be a direction that they're trying Mm -hmm. to take then it would make sense to possibly say that so that when moraine is like it's one of the four slash five of you Mm -hmm. (laughs) that she (laughs) includes she includes the girls the ladies i don't feel like girls is appropriate for like a queen and naive they aren't girls the women the women so I don't even know if it was necessary to add. In some ways, it feels almost wedged in there where it doesn't belong mm. because it's not really part of the original prophecies. And I think you put something, were you the one that put something on there about the prophecy saying that he cries on the slopes of yeah. Dragon Mount? Says he, mm-hmm. like he screams. Mm-hmm. They could change that to where it's like they the baby screams mm-hmm. yeah like the infant they, screams the infant screams yeah if she says they that mm-hmm. would be kind of hard because then i mean then what if moraine is like there's Are two there twins yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so but and then I mean, galena like... or then katara dies and we never get a concrete answer right whole new story evolves from yeah. just that yeah. thing happening yeah, yeah. and i mean One of the things, and I mean, we are not the only ones to talk about this. It's really obvious from, like, the very beginning of the series who the Dragon Reborn is going to be. Like, there's never really a question. And I don't mind that, really. I don't either. Like, Rand's adventure. I I feel like that's the least exciting mystery. Right, yeah. (laughs) Like, and and it's like, and even though he is really important to the last Mm -hmm. battle and whatnot... He's not the only piece of it. And so even though we're giving this like attention to the Dragon Reborn, there definitely has to be a recognition of the fact that there are several really powerful individuals and creatures around Mm -hmm. Rand that are crucial to his success. So... I don't think that it needs to be like, oh, it's the dragon and he or she is the most important character in the show. The end. It's Mm -hmm. he's one of many powerful characters and he has to create allies in order to be able to succeed. And that's one of those places where Rand succeeds, fails, succeeds, fails, succeeds, fails, you know, Mm -hmm. like up to the very end of the last battle when Egwene is finally like, let them go. Why can't mm-hmm. I be a hero too? Like, and then he's like, oh, okay. It has to be us together. So it's not even that he thinks it's about himself. It's that 
he has to recognize it's not all on his shoulders. So I really don't care who the Dragon Reborn is. I want it to be Rand, and it's mostly... Would would it be a deal breaker for you if it's not Rand? I would still watch it. <laughs> I, I would still watch I it. I mean, I, I don't think that this is going to happen. Like, I, I'm 99.9% sure. Yeah. If that's a curveball they want to throw... I'll watch, but I can't say I will watch lovingly. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll make fun of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I don't, I don't do think that. this is going to be the case. I no. really, I really hope not. There does seem to be in the last few things that have come out to be just like this tiny bit of focus on Rand being pulled over just to just a teensy bit mm -hmm. um and i want i want to see yosha play the yeah. dragon reborn he can do I it i think that's i think that if if you're if you're if you want to be a detective about it if you look at his range i think like they're setting his character up for i agree this. Yeah. i agree like the yeah. still images we get of like his facial changes his adaptability to being emotional like rand has to have that and rand also has to have moments where he becomes very very dark and i think that yosha is going to be able to pull that off but this was so fun this was so fun and i mean seriously i uh, this new every little piece that we get right now i want it all we're loving it. I'm love, love, loving it. I have never been this excited for a TV show in my entire <laughs> life. And like... Me either. I kind of feel giddy every day knowing that it's closer. And it's so... I'm like... That's freaking me out looking at a calendar. Right? It's so close. It's so close. And I mean... It's so fun to be a part of this as it's unfolding. It just is. I feel... I feel really hopeful about what we're going to see like so much is just like i can't believe that it's almost here and we've have here. i mean we have listeners that have been with us from the beginning like when i think of someone like shelby who's right like it's just an, an adrian mm -hmm. wow oh special special shout out to shelby's other traveler on the road to tarball yeah yeah <laughs> but i guess i can leave it at that right right let's wrap it up and be done Okay. Thanks so much for joining us. We will continue to release new episodes every Wednesday. We would love if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, and share us with your friends in the Wheel of Time community. Let us know what you thought of our content. Correct us. Send us things we may have missed. You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a website where you can find links to our Discord channel, social media platforms, and merch shop. So until next week, thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalin.